0: Joining me for another episode of Jumpstart Jam Sessions on the Edge. As a psychotherapist and energy healer, I'm here to answer your questions, provide insights, and share some laughs about life's ups and downs, ins and outs, pros and cons, qualities and quirks. You're here because you have a thirst for learning, living, and loving. You also have a desire to genuinely relate to others from a place of compassion and authenticity. And lastly, you understand, value, and honor the body, mind, and spirit connection. As a marriage and family therapist trained in human sexuality and energy psychology, I provide intuitive psychotherapy in my offices in Edina, St. Paul, and White Bear Lake, Minnesota. I specialize in relationships, sexuality, anxiety, depression, trauma, and self-esteem issues. I also teach workshops geared towards couples and individuals looking to increase their passion and deepen their intimacy with each other and with life. In the past, I've designed curriculum in yoga and the human energy field for both the University of Minnesota dance and the Bachelor of Fine Arts Department with the Guthrie Theater and worked on the faculty there for three years. I then moved to the Gopher football team and worked with them for six years. I've also created programs for the Minnesota Wild and various agencies around town. So again, welcome. And first of all, Tonight brings the Jewish New Year. I send you Hebrew blessings, Lishanat Tova. May you have a good, sweet New Year. So I now turn to today's question on our Q&A Wednesday, which comes from Tad. And Tad writes, "I struggle with general anxiety and panic attacks. When dealing with my panic attacks," Everything I read and the professionals I talk to give me these metaphors to deal with the repetitive thoughts and bodily sensations I experience during these attacks. To be honest, I hate it when they do this. I'm terrified and sweating. My heart feels like it's going to explode. I feel electrical shocks going through my body and my throat closes. So I feel like I'm going to choke on my own blood. The professionals say I'm supposed to let go of the rope or let the panic wash over me. Not only is this advice unhelpful, but it causes me to become confused, which that increases my panic. Hello? I can grasp metaphors and obtuse concepts when I'm calm, but when I'm in the throes of an attack, the last thing that makes sense is to ride the tide. Is there something tangible that I can do when I'm having a panic attack? What are some ways to decrease my anxiety? Well, thank you, Tad. And once again, here we have a very compelling and complex question. So in order to thoroughly answer that question, I'm going to first explain a little about a little bit about anxiety disorders as per the current Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the DSM-5 for short. The DSM-5 is a super thick purple book that uses symptoms to put mental disorders into categories. So I'll describe the symptoms of general anxiety disorder specifically because that's the most common type of anxiety disorder. I'll then clear up any confusion about anxiety attacks versus panic attacks, and what's the correct verbiage. We'll then switch over to working with anxiety through psychotherapy and yoga. First, the terms anxiety attack and panic attack are both used in the common vernacular, so they're both like commonly used interchangeably, but in the DSM-5, in the, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, what we're referring to by name is a panic attack. And then there's the difference between panic and anxiety, and these differences between an actual attack and general anxiety can best be distinguished in terms of duration and intensity. So, for example, during a panic attack, the symptoms are sudden and intense. They can occur out of nowhere without a known reason. So say you're shopping at the mall, something that you do all the time, and out of nowhere, your symptoms appear. However, I've noticed countless times, especially with adolescents, where anything real or imagined that's socially or academically related can trigger an attack. So with adolescents, you have layered on top of the anxiety. You've got just the anxiety that everybody goes through that's normal when you're an adolescent so anything that's socially or academically related there you go there's an attack usually the symptoms escalate and peak in about 10 minutes and then they subside although some attacks may occur one after the other so in succession or they can last longer Another aspect is there's oftentimes an ongoing fear that a person might have another attack, which may cause people to avoid things that bring on an attack, or they fear for another attack, which may in and of itself bring on an attack. So that means like the fear of having an anxiety attack can actually bring on an anxiety attack or a panic attack. I'm sorry, panic attack. There I go, interchanging the words. So, according to the DSM 5, the symptoms of a panic attack are I'm just going to list them heart palpitations, a pounding heart, or accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling, shortness of breath, difficulty of breathing, the feeling of choking, pain, nausea, feeling dizzy or faint feelings of depersonalization so that's like being really like spaced out or dis- disconnected from your body and there's also the fear of losing control numbness or tingling in your body and chills or hot flashes so with anxiety it's more of a general condition so it's not an intense attack And the symptoms are similar, and the symptoms of general anxiety are muscle tension, again, I'm just going to list them, disturbed sleep, difficulty concentrating, fatigue, restlessness, irritability, an increased startle response, an increased heart rate, a shortness of breath, and dizziness. So although the symptoms for anxiety are similar to a panic attack, they're generally less intense and may last for a very long time, so hence general anxiety. Also, term anxiety is an umbrella term for several different types of disorders underneath that anxiety umbrella. So like I've been talking about, the most common anxiety disorder is general anxiety disorder. So that is more of the persistent worry about a number of things, such as is there enough food packed in my lunch? What time is my meeting? What if I forget where I parked the car? So you're just consistently having these, Worries about everyday things. Other diagnoses include, but aren't limited to, but the most common after general anxiety, so I'll just list those other anxiety disorders, agoraphobia, so that's the fear of going out in public or taking the bus or leaving the house, and that's excessive and beyond normal. There's also social anxiety disorder, and that's the fear of being in social situations and agitation around being with new people. Then there's separation anxiety disorder. And so, you know, a lot of us when we have little kids and you're like leaving them in the daycare or you know at the gym and their little like drop in daycare, that that's a separation anxiety, but when it's a disorder, it's a developmentally inappropriate anxiety around separation from an attachment figure, such as a parent or caregiver. So it's not like the first time you do drop off. It's like later on when the um, child is a little older. Also, there's obsessive compulsive disorder. And that is a recurrent persistent thoughts or obsession that cause ongoing anxiety and stress so you have these thoughts and they're repetitive and then alongside with these repetitive stressful thoughts you have repetitive behaviors so say you have a repetitive thought about germs so the repetitive coinciding behavior would be excessive hand washing or our behavior might be counting or putting things in order or repetitively praying. There's also post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, and that's reliving or experiencing a traumatic event through intrusive memories, a startle response, numbing, or avoiding a situation. So um, PTSD might be followed by reckless or destructive behavior, or continuous blame of yourself or another. So now that I've briefly clarified the distinctions of anxiety and a panic attack, let's talk about brain science in very layperson's terms because I don't want to overwhelm you. And we'll talk about it in terms of what is happening neurologically when a panic attack strikes. So the part of the brain that is activated during a panic attack is called the amygdala. This is found in the limbic system, otherwise referred to as the reptilian brain. And this is the body's alarm system. It's the part of the brain that's concerned with survival. It's quick and in charge, and it responds to sensory information that is deemed dangerous with the flight or fight or freeze response. So the amygdala enables animals, including humans, to mobilize a tremendous amount of energy quickly. And again, so when this kicks in, we either fight, flight, or freeze. So we run away, we fight, or we freeze. Not only that, when the amygdala is activated, it shortages the pre, pre, what's called the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is where we find logic, reason, humor, and yes, the ability to understand complex concepts such as metaphor, which is what you're experiencing, Tad, when people tell you to ride the tide. So here you are, you're in the amygdala, you're wanting to fight, flight, or freeze, your alarm is going off, and people are approaching you in a logical manner and it's just you're just not in the position to understand that and because metaphors are conceptual in nature which gives them their complexity that just I'm back. I have no idea what just happened, and I don't know if Mercury is in retrograde. But, um, yeah, so I'm back. Moving on. So we're talking about anxiety disorders, and where I'm going to pick up again is we're talking about the um, what's happening in the brain during a panic attack. And I'm just going to go back and pick it up in case anything was lost in translation um, when I got disconnected. All right, so we're talking about the brain during a panic attack. And the part of the brain that's activated is called the amygdala. And the amygdala is found in the limbic system, otherwise referred to as the reptilian brain, the brain's alarm system. So what happens is all the alarms are going off during a panic attack and we're, like, fighting or flighting or freezing. And if somebody is trying to give us complex concepts, such as metaphors, what's happening is it's actually aggravating the system because that approach is relating to the part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, And the prefrontal cortex is where we find logic, reason, and humor and the ability to understand the complex concepts such as metaphor. So when people, Tad, um, tell you to ride the tide, your energy is not in the position to understand that. So let's turn to what does work. So first of all, validate. Validate, validate, validate. That means you reflect to the person who's having a, an, a panic attack what's happening. You, were, you use words like, I know you're feeling this way, and I know it's terrifying to you. So according to Marsha Linehan, who created the highly effective behavioral science called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, Validation is associated with the ability to find and express self-compassion and compassion for others. And that is a feature that strongly counters the presence of anxiety. So after you validate, I know you're feeling this way and I know it's terrifying to you, then stage your support and I'm here to help you. Label their emotion. I know you're feeling and however they're feeling, so let's say helpless. And then offer to help. I'm here to help you. So use all these steps with a soothing tone of voice, giving calm reassurances. So the soothing tone of voice, giving calm reassurances. Will help the person's heart rate return to normal. So I'm just going to kind of go over it and like how it would look in a real situation. So say someone's having a panic attack. I say, I know you're feeling this way, and I know it's terrifying to you. I'm here to help you. I know you're feeling helpless, and again. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm here to help you. Don't worry. I'm here. So there's a, a picture of a healing response to a panic attack that has absolutely nothing to do with metaphor. <laughs> So, I now turn to the use of the body mind spirit practice of yoga and its effectiveness in working with anxiety and with panic attacks. So, according to the author of the book, The Physiology of Yoga, Mel Robin, the nerves that are used to energize the muscles for posture and balance get stimulated by anxiety and can therefore lead to a tightening of muscles. So what that means is like in anxiety, your nerves get stimulated, so your brain like stimulates the nerves that innervate your muscles, and that leads to a tightening. So when you do yoga postures, what you're doing is you're loosening the muscles And that can release the feelings of anxiety. Also, studies show that patients with anxiety show a significant reduction in their anxiety levels when meditating due to the fact that thoughts are focused on the bodily sensations and not on what's happening in the environment. So when you're meditating... You're focusing on the present moment, what you're feeling, and not on what's going on. So not on, I'm on my way to work. Or, you know, it's, it's bringing your conscious awareness into the present moment. Also, panic attacks are brought on by an excess of carbon dioxide in the blood as when you're hyperventilating. So by improving ventilation through deep breathing, as in the yoga pranayama practice, this can also be of help when you're dealing with panic attacks, especially when practiced in conjunction with relaxing yoga postures. So you're doing the yoga postures. You're lengthening the muscles. That's releasing anxiety. And you're also doing the deep breathing, either the pranayama before during or after you're doing the yoga um, practice and that is improving your ventilation and releasing the excess carbon dioxide in the blood and so you're instead of hyperventilating you're kind of flipping it so you're doing the deep breathing According to Fritz Perls, the founder of Gestalt therapy, a panic attack is the experience of breathing difficulty during any blocked excitement. It's the experience of trying to get more air into the lungs and your lungs are immobilized by the muscles tightening up in the rib cage. So, through so although unrestricted breathing releases panic or dispels panic the person who suffers panic estates often simply cannot follow the advice to inhale and exhale that is which is to simply breathe so that's precisely what he or she can't do because of the there's a symptom of the motor tension such as the tightening in the rib cage so again by like doing the breathing exercises and the yoga postures when you're not having a panic attack, you're ingraining in your body kind of like, this is what we do during a panic attack. And then the theory being that you're releasing the anxiety through the deep breathing and the postures. And so, theoretically speaking, you wouldn't even have the attacks as often as you normally would. So all this coming together brings me to tell you about my latest offering called Relief and Chutzpah, which is Relief and Moxie or Relief and Courage for Anxiety-prone People. It's a psychotherapy and yoga class beginning at the St. Paul Yoga Center. This is an ongoing group and the cost is $20. A complimentary 15-minute consultation is required before attending so I can answer any questions you might have and see if the group is right for you. So for class dates and times and more information, contact me through my website at jumpstartcounseling.net. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment for a psychotherapy session, I can be reached through my website as well. Thanks so much for joining me today. And again, Lashana tova. Have a good, sweet new year. Step into the world of power, loyalty,